North Carolina has a chance this weekend to move to 2-0 in a wide-open Coastal Division race. What's it going to take to get there against the Miami Hurricanes? Anthony Pagnotta and I are going to unpack it for you right here today. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, October 7th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and joining me yet again on a Friday for a Tar Heel football preview is the man, Anthony Pagnata. I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or first watch every single day. Please remember, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. You can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Yeah, that's that's some good free money there, Pagnon. I don't know. I don't, man, need to get in on that action. <laughs> so, folks, here we go. Carolina 1-0 in the ACC after an unexpected drubbing of Virginia Tech last week and boy some great stuff and so Pagnata here's my first big question right out of the gate as we look at big picture items was holding Virginia Tech to 10 points more about the Tar Heel defense taking a step forward or more about just how unfortunately pathetic Virginia Tech's offense is Hey, coming with the tough questions right out of the gate. I wouldn't expect anything less after I had to miss a uh, miss a show last week. Uh, but you know, I, I mean, I I think honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Virginia Tech's offense is not good. There's there's no other way around it. Um, Garrett, Grant Wells is a guy that you know I I was I thought that was a good move for them. I saw some good things from him at Marshall. Um, I knew he turned the ball over a little bit, but I thought, you know, he would be able to move the ball at least up and down the field for them. Um, and I, I, I mean, it has just not happened. And look, he's not the only reason why, <laughs> yeah, right. but man, that team, that, that team is not good offensively, but you have to give the Tar Heels a lot of credit. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it because, Hey, the week before you played an offense that if you look at the statistics was statistically worse That's and right. You know, I mean, Drew Pine, I, I don't really know if anybody knows exactly what he is at this point. We didn't see him this past week. They had a bye week. So it'll be interesting to monitor yeah. him the rest of the season. Yeah. BYU this week for Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. That'll be a good test for him. But let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. I know Mac Brown tried to tell us in, you know, the press, the press conference afterwards that he was going to rank them number one in his coach's poll. Uh, I, I, that man was selling the Notre Dame fighting Irish as hard as I've seen just about anybody. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I, I just, I, I think that this defense responded. It looked like a defense that was actually angry about how they performed. Um, and it looked like a group that did have a players meeting. And, you know, I look, when I heard that midweek, I'll admit I was a little bit skeptical because we've heard yeah. that saying in plenty of different places before at all different levels and all different sports. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it does not work because there's still going to be those same egos if that's an issue. And that was one of my concerns with this room. But uh, you, you look at how that defense performed and it looked like a completely different unit. And my thing is now 
is was this a confidence thing? Was this a time thing where Gene Chizik just needed time to sort of settle in and to get affiliated with the guys that are on the field, the coaches that are holdovers from the previous staff? Or, you know, is this a flash in the pan? Because you you probably remember very well the game that I remembered back to, you know, just thinking about it during this week was, is this going to be just like Duke from last year? Remember that game? Carolina dominated defensively. They won 38-7. to You started to wonder, man, is this where this group starts to get on track and really starts to take over games? And they didn't. They, they went back to that, that mediocre-ish to eventually terrible defense that you saw at the end of the year. So is this different with this group? I have reason to believe yes, and it's because of the man that's upstairs. Some people may not have trust in Gene Chizik after the start, I still choose to keep a little bit of trust in it. I'm with you on that Gene Chizik trust. I love it. So the question we're going to be watching is, how does the defense handle prosperity this week? Pagnano, something we've talked about a little bit this season is Carolina's inability to put a team away once it had them down. Let's use Georgia State as an example. Carolina led 21-3 in that game. Sounds very familiar to the Virginia Tech game. And next thing you know, the score is 28-21 in favor of Georgia State. There started to be some of that last week against Virginia Tech. Carolina was up 21-3. Virginia Tech got that touchdown right before halftime. And is like, oh, man, we're going uh, into the locker room with a little bit of momentum in the Hokies' favor. But what happens? Thankfully, Virginia Tech left 28 seconds on the clock, a timeout. Carolina burns down the field, gets a field goal, stops them out of halftime, gets their own touchdown. Next thing you know, it's 31-10 and the game's over. What Do you think that Carolina, as, as a whole unit, not just defense or offense, as a team, learned something about what it means to put a team away? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think they did because they you're right. They hadn't really done that throughout the year, even to a certain extent, against Florida A&M. They That's didn't right. do that yeah. in the first game of the year. It took them a long time. They had to go into the fourth quarter. This game, we knew in the third quarter, this game was definitely early. Over. Early in the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. They they took over, and that was what this group needed. Um, now, again, I, I was one of those guys that was kind of left scratching my head a little bit, especially after Drake May decided to try to go flying through the air for the third time in five games. I didn't get why they didn't rotate in some of the backups earlier. But at the same time, I I think it was good maybe for them to play in a game like that Mm -hmm. where they had a comfortable lead. They knew what they, you know, what it was like to feel like we had a sense of belief in uh, the defense on the other side of the ball. And, And maybe that was what the coaching staff was thinking. But yes, I think that was definitely that. That was one of the concerns, I think with this team overall, you're right. Cause look, they did it against app state. They were up 41 to 21. They take one penalty and they let them back into the game. Georgia state. It was the big play after halftime of the big pass play. Cameron Kelly takes a bad angle. A guy takes it to the end zone and everything completely changes. It was always, it wasn't even a drive. It was one play that changed those games. And you didn't see that against Virginia tech. You saw a team that honestly, looked mentally tough. And we've talked about, you know, for years, that's been one of the things that a lot of people have said Carolina is not. And it's been hard to make an argument against it. You saw a mentally tough football team the other day and one that, you know, came out of the halftime locker room after getting that boost right before halftime, 
believing that, hey, we're in control of this game and we're not going to let it go. We're good enough to put our foot down on the throat and, and hold it there. And they did that against Virginia Tech. Absolutely, they did. And you'd love to see that again against Miami. Speaking of which, Carolina has been in two true road environments already this season, both against Sunbelt opponents. You already referenced them at App State, at Georgia State. And while they they came away with the victory, there are always things to be learned on the road, whether it's football, whether it's Roy Williams taking the basketball team to Wofford and Elon and places like that, you're going to learn things in a true hostile road environment. What could the what did the Tar Heels pick up in those two victories that is going to help them in their first conference road game at Miami Gardens this weekend? Well, I mean, look, first of all, I mean, the first thing they learned is how to win again on the road. Remember that they didn't win away from Chapel Hill last year, and that was one of the big things. So getting off the schneid against App State um, was huge. And look, I got to be honest with you. I I think maybe if this Miami team was undefeated, even if they had only lost the game to A&M, maybe there is an environment for this game. They are coming off a loss to Middle Tennessee. I don't see this being a raucous crowd in Hard Rock <laughs> Stadium. So I don't think you're even going to have an environment that's going to rival what you saw at App State. Now, it'll probably be a little bit better than Georgia State's, which, sure. I mean, let's be honest, I was kind of shocked by how little fans were actually there. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Turner Field that empty or the old Turner Field that empty. That was stunning. But um, I think – you know, this is you, you, you got that confidence boost of being able to go on the road and in both games having to fight back from deficits. So I think that's going to be huge as well for Carolina. The other thing is, is that, you know, especially if you go back to the App State game, you were playing a really good quarterback on the road and mm. your fresh redshirt freshman quarterback went toe to toe with him. This is a guy sure that seems like he is ready to go into these types of environments and handle it and, you know, really build off of the performances that he's already had this season at home. And, I mean, look, he's done it on the road, too. That game against App State is one that I think a lot of people will remember. Um, This guy is off to just an unbelievable start. But I I think this is just a team that they they need to be able to win these road games. And, and look, this is the first game of yet another road back to back. That's the other thing that's going to be important for this team. And we, we you would probably, you know, we could talk about it again next week if they win this one is being able to not only go on the road to Sunbelt opponents, which people will criticize that, but look at how successful the Sunbelt was in the that's right. conference. That's right. But at the same time, it's you went back to back. You played on the road two consecutive weeks in hostile environments. I'm not saying that you're world beaters now, but it does mean something. There's no doubt right. about it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And thankfully, the road trip next week is the shortest road trip you could possibly take. There and, you go. Uh, so, so that's some good Well, news. hey, Coach K wouldn't be able to make it down there if it was snowing, so... That that put me back in the couch on that one, Pagnot. I love it. Well played. Well played. Man, we're going to keep talking about this game. Let, we're going to look at when North Carolina has the ball, what Pagnot is seeing for that, and I'll add a few things as well right after I tell you more about Underdog, which this episode is brought to you by. The easiest place to spice up college football this season. 
I've created my own account with Underdog Fantasy, and I'll tell you exactly what pick'em things I'm looking at this week. Uh, the, the numbers aren't out yet, but I'll tell you what, whatever they set as Drake May's passing yards, I am definitely taking the over on that one, as well as the total touchdowns responsible for, because homie is doing work. Uh, yes. Man, it's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You just pick between two to five players across any team, not just the Tar Heels, and decide if they will finish higher or lower than the number given. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there, and you can win cold hard cash in a single game. So sign up with promo code locked on one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on, all one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, Anthony. So let's look at this. When Carolina has the ball, give me a couple things that you're going to be on the lookout for. Well, you mentioned it, Drake May off to an amazing start to the year. But, hey, I'm going to tell you, if I'm going on underdog and I'm betting on a certain player, man, go all in on Antoine Green this week because this is a Miami secondary that has really, really struggled. Talented group, but they have struggled with allowing big plays. They're two corners, DJ Ivy, Tyreek Stevenson. Talented, you probably remember the names from a year ago from talking about those guys. But they've both given up over 25.5 yards per reception on the outside. So they're letting up big plays when they let when they let receivers catch the ball. And we've seen it already. Since he's returned to the lineup, Antoine Green's made some plays on the outside. Yes, so I would look for that in this game. Now, the thing that I'm watching with that deep passing game is one of the things that Phil Longo kind of struggled with, I thought, the first three years. And you saw it especially last year, was he would get deep pass happy. He would really be trying to look for the big plays. And look, this year what we've seen is you've got a guy in Drake May that when he is really playing at his best, this team is able to move the ball up and down the field methodically. Look, you're going to take the big gains. We're not saying don't take those, but don't always be looking for those. I felt like especially last year, there were just times where that that was the offense. If it wasn't there for Sam Howell, if the big play wasn't there, Carolina's offense wasn't moving the football. And that's what really scared me about the Notre Dame game and the offensive setup in that game. But you saw a different mindset in the game against Virginia Tech. The other thing I'm watching is yeah, how good. does Carolina run the football in this game? Because that is the one area that I am still kind of a little bit concerned about offensively. And it's not, if you look at the overall rushing yards, you are, you'll probably be pretty satisfied. You would feel confident with where some of these guys are. I mean, look, Amari and Hampton's top 10 in the ACC in rushing yards so far this season while sharing the backfield with now it looks like really just Caleb Hood. But at a time early in the season, it was DJ Jones. It was even George Petaway a little Petaway, bit. A little bit. Yeah. The problem is, is that when you look at how this team runs the ball on first and second down, They are not getting the yards that they need. It is one, two-yard gains. This team needs to hit more of those four, five-yard gains on first and second down to set themselves up with manageable situations on the prior downs, really to set themselves up with good opportunities on third down. 
They've converted a lot on third down so far this year. They've done a great job of that. But a lot of that is based on what you've had to do with your quarterback, Drake May, really just making throws. So why not make it a little bit easier on him? And why, <laughs> why not be you know, a more consistent running team where you don't have to hit that home run play over and over again for you to be able to have a successful day on the ground? And the last thing that I'm watching in this one is, you know, how does Carolina's offensive line sort of build off the confidence that they got a week ago? Look, this defensive line for Miami, we've seen some really good ones in the past few years. One of my favorite uh, defensive lines that we saw from Miami was the quote-unquote loaded defensive line that Carolina wasn't going to be able to stop when they brought Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche in. Well, Carolina hung 62 on that team. So, I think that's that's the thing is this is nowhere near that talented of a group. I want to see this group take what they did a week ago against a Virginia Tech defensive line that, look, I don't think they're as loaded as they've been in the past either, but that was a defensive line that last year dominated you in the first game of the year, and you came out and looked really good against them. Can you continue to build off of that momentum yeah, and yeah. you know keep people feeling pretty good about the direction of this offensive line? I feel pretty confident that Carolina can do that in this one. I'm right with you. Once again, zero sacks allowed last week for the second time this season. Like, mm -hmm. man, that's so good. Um, and yet, like what you said about the running game, like just even the fact that Caleb Hood started last week over Amarion Hampton said that, like, just that indicates to me the unsettled nature of the backfield. And the fact that Drake May has been the leading rusher the past two weeks, like all of that, I'm I'm right in line with you there. I was chatting on today's show with Alex Dono, who's the host of Locked On Canes. Um, and he was saying kind of what you said about their cornerbacks is Stevenson will probably blanket Josh Downs wherever he goes. And so what that says to me is that you, my friend, are spot on about Antoine Green. I am watching out for him. Also, it might be Bryson Nesbitt season, right? Like career yeah. high 98 yards last week. I'm wondering just if he's coming into his own a little bit more. He and Drake are, are just finding more of a connection. Uh, really interested to see what he does. A couple other things I'm watching. Can Carolina continue this crazy red zone consistency they've had? 20 trips to the red zone, 18 touchdowns, one field goal, which was when Drake May got hurt and Chriswell missed in the corner of the end zone, settled for a field goal. Yep. The only time they didn't score was a kneel down at the end of the Florida A&M game. Love that consistency in the red zone. Keep that going. And then I got two over-under questions for you, Pagnotti. You ready? Mm -hmm. Seven yeah, games it. left. Seven games left in the regular season. I should say not counting a bowl game, which you, you figure we're going to get there at this point. Drake May has one interception. Over-under three and a half the rest of the way. So he would finish the season with four, right? Is yeah. If he, yeah. Like, let's say th three and a half more. So over-under that the rest of the way. Oh, man. That's a tough one, man, because he I, I'm going to tell you, most people, this would seem obvious because you would say, look, over, he's going to have right. one of those games. But yep. but I remember in high school, I mean, his senior year of high school, he had a 50 to two touchdown interception ratio. Like he just he knows how to take care of the football. Like that's not his problem. Now, I could do without a couple of the fumbles and especially where when they have happened to him, that right. has been the issue. Right. But yes, um. Man, <laughs> I would probably still go over just because I think you know he's going to have one of those right. games where he'll right. get it. But I'm, I got to tell you, I would be shocked 
if he has more, if he finishes the season with more than six interceptions. I, I think, I think that's so. probably a round number. Um, it's just, man, being in that range of, of three or four, that is that is an elite, that is elite territory. But if there's yeah. someone that can do it, it's Drake, man. And and I'm with you. I'm gonna. I would take the over as well. But the fact that we have pause in making that decision is is enough to tell you how crazy the season is that he's having. Okay. The uh, the second over under another Drake May question. Four of the first five games he has five total touchdowns. Only bested in the past 25 years in the ACC by Lamar Jackson and Todd Boyd. Which when you're in that company, good grief. How many more? Games this season, does he have five or more total touchdowns over under two? Oh, that's that's over. There's no doubt okay. about that. Okay. Um, I mean, he he is just it's dynamic for the first five games that he started, he has had <laughs> five total touchdowns in. Sam Howell played here three years, he had four his entire three year career. And you're, I mean, like, when you go back, you, you're like, there's no way that that's right. But it's so difficult because usually you're going to hand it to your running back. Or, I, I mean, something is going to happen. But this dude is, is just putting it all on his own back. And, I mean, look, the thing with Lamar Jackson is, is that, you know, his season was, was insane. He had 26 total touchdowns through the first five games. But he also did it with, because he was just that dynamic of a runner. I mean, Drake, right. look, he, he's found the end zone a couple of times, but the first, those two touchdowns that he had the other day on the ground, I think those were just his second and third of the season. That's right. That's on correct. The ground. So yep. 19 through the air. Yep. This is yep. a dynamic player. Like this dude is doing stuff that we have not seen before. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's amazing. And there's a reason why he is legitimately in the Heisman race. And I'm going to tell you, the further that he keeps going, the more this dude is going to sit here and tell you every edition of the podcast how he needs to be in the Heisman race and needs to be that's, near the top. That's absolutely right. And when you look at the defenses ahead on Carolina's schedule, there's not much that uh, causes fear in your heart of Drake May not having a monster game. I, I got to tell I will absolutely guarantee he will throw five touchdowns against Wake Forest. That is a de- <laughs> That defense did not get better. I'm sorry, folks. No, it did no. not. And uh, man, like Virginia, they're oh gosh, it's oh, gonna be <laughs> Georgia Tech. So that could be oh, that could gosh. get bad. See, oh, that's yeah. the thing. And with anyway, yes, Drake May, I'm with you over. I wouldn't be surprised if we had three or four more games with five or more touchdowns total. So crazy. We're gonna flip to the other side of the field, talk about when Miami has the ball right after I remind you about our drive for five, where we are pushing to get to five thousand YouTube subscribers. By the time of the first Carolina basketball game on November 7th, one month to the day from today. That is blowing my mind right now. One of the things we're doing is a weekly drawing. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel and you will be entered in this week's drawing for a free $10 Starbucks digital gift card. So go ahead, subscribe right now, let others know and bring them on in. Let's get more people into this Locked on Tar Heels community. All right, Anthony, let's look at it. What are you looking at this weekend when Miami has the football? Well, I think, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. And I, like I said earlier, I think the general thing is, was this, you know, a flash in the pan or is this legit? Is, is this a defense that's going to just be, I mean, we said it today. We, we went to our, our hip word of the day. Uh, it, can this defense be mid? 
Can this be a mid defense? Can we get there? <laughs> that's, that's all we're wanting. And, um, you know, I think it, it really, first of all, it starts to me, the secondary was so much better in that game on Saturday. Um, and you look at the statistics, look, man, there were still guys. I mean, they were thrown at still a, a pretty consistent amount, but you saw really strong performances. The guy that I want to see mainly is what does Tony Grimes do? Is he a guy that can build off of his performance? He was That's targeted right. six times the other day. He only allowed two of them to be caught, and he had a pass breakup. He looked yeah, really, got his hand in there. Yeah. really good. That was the first time this year that I've watched him play and said, man, he, he looks really good out there. This looks like the Tony Grimes that we saw as a freshman because the, last year as a sophomore, he, he struggled, man. And, and I think now – you know, is this something that he can build on? Was what happened in the Notre Dame game with them getting beat up, with him, you know, getting in that altercation with Noah Taylor, was that what woke him up? Was that what said, hey, man, I got to step my game up here? Um, because the way that he looked the other day is the way that he needs to look. And look, the, the one of the issues that Miami has right now, I know Tyler Van Dyke is struggling, but part of the reason why is their receiving core is, I mean, this they – they probably have less that they're going to be throwing at Carolina than Virginia Tech did. And that is saying a lot because they don't have their top receiver. Xavier right. Restrepo is out hurt. He got hurt right. um, before the game against AM. He didn't play then. And it's looking pretty unlikely that he's going to play in this game. So then you're talking about Keyshawn Smith, um, who, you know, has done some good things. He's averaging 15.5 yards per catch. They've got a guy in the slot that I think could cause some issues, although. You know, DeAndre Boykins, ah, he's been, you know, kind of up and down, but still. Um, but I, I I don't think that this receiving group should test this secondary. So this should be another strong day for that secondary group. And can Tony Grimes lead them to that? Uh, the second thing that I'm looking for, and this is really just across the board, something that they did so well a week ago was get off of blocks. They have struggled to do that for the, the majority of the Jay right. Bateman era um, in, in Carolina. And even here early on so far in the Gene Chizik 2.0 era, this is a team <laughs> that needed to get more physical in the off season. I don't know that they looked overly physical in this game, but look, this, this Miami team, this it does not look like your typical Miami team. I don't feel like this is a team that is going to bully you. So you have to be able to get off of blocks. Can you do what you did last week by stringing out those runs to the outside? And ultimately, the biggest thing is getting off of those blocks is important so you can contain the edge because you didn't against Notre Dame and it really hurt you. In this game, this Miami team packs a similar one-two punch. They have a running back in Henry Parrish Jr. that I don't think is getting talked about enough. He's averaging 89.8 yards per game, which is third best right now in the ACC. And then they've got their guy that can run inside the tackles. Their guy that will sort of resemble what Audric Esteme did to Carolina for Notre Dame in Thaddeus Franklin Jr. So they got that one-two punch. But if Carolina can get off of blocks, which they didn't do against Notre Dame, they should be in position to make these plays. And then the other thing that I'm watching is can Carolina get some interior pressure? This is a group, look, this offensive line for Miami, give them credit. They have definitely taken a step forward because they have been one of the worst in the ACC year over year. Their tackles have done a really good job in protection. Uh, Their interior guys, not so much. 
every one of their interior guys has allowed either nine or more pressures to start the season. Jeez. So Carolina, yeah. it, you have to be able to get that pressure inside. I know you've struggled at times yourself at getting pressure through there, but this is once again a battle of weakness versus weakness. Let's see Carolina <laughs> take advantage of that in this game. Let's see Miles Murphy sort of break out. We've been asking you to, and even a week yeah. ago against Virginia Tech, you were a little bit quiet. Let's see him step up, Kevin Hester step up, um, you know, e- even even a guy like Ray Velasic and maybe Travis Shaw. Those are the types of guys that you want to see step up in this game and take advantage of that weakness. Yeah, absolutely. Make Tyler Van Dyke uncomfortable back there. And then when you've already got a weekend receiver core, it just doubles all of that issue that they're facing. And here's the bottom line for me. Carolina doesn't have to hold their opponents to 10 points a game like they did last week. With this elite offense, I'm feeling like if Miami scores 30 points, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, we're in a good position because Drake May is going to put up 40 or more a game, basically, um, on, a, on a weekly basis. And so I think that hopefully takes some of the pressure off where you're like, hey, man, make plays, make stops, keep them to three, keep them, you know, whatever it is. You just you just got to be able to bend even if uh, you, or excuse me, if you don't, you got to bend, not break. And that's ultimately where Carolina's defense has to get to. All right, Anthony, quickly at the end here, let's make some game predictions and then we'll get out of here. So the line on Bet Online, which is our betting partner here on Locked On, is most recently at three. It's fluctuated out to three and a half in Miami's favor. The over-under has gone from 16 to 65 and a half, jumped up a point, but is now back down to 65 and a half. It doesn't matter. It's in the 60s. That's way too low, in my opinion. But I want to hear your thought. Miami by three right now, and the over-under set at 65 and a half. So I, I, if I'm trying, I had a score in my head, which by the way, both uh, me and my buddy Josh Marlowe, who is my co-host on the podcast, we both predicted the same exact score for this game this week. So that, <laughs> nice. that could work out great. That could work out terrible. Uh, I actually <laughs> have them, believe it or not, at a push on over-under. Uh, I have 65 points exactly. Um, wow. And I like Carolina I, I like Carolina to cover, and I like them outright. Um, I, I really do think Carolina has had so much success against Miami over the years. And it hasn't mattered the location. Carolina's gotten it done down there, and they've gotten it done in Chapel Hill. Believe it or not, they actually lead the all-time series with Miami at this point. That's how successful they have been against them. So, um, you know, part of that could serve as motivation for Miami. There's no doubt about that. But I think the other part of it is that Carolina will be confident going into this game. And that's something that I think they need. Because I think part of the reason why they struggled so much against Notre Dame it's because they knew. They knew that they were a team that had only beaten them twice. One of those wins was vacated. Like, they, they've they seen that stuff. They know people talk about that kind of stuff. So, for this group, having beaten Miami three straight years, there are a lot of guys in that locker room. I mean, they're seniors that have never lost to them before that are saying, look, this, this, is, a, this is a game that we expect to win every single year. I like Carolina. I, I think – Honestly, I know you, you said don't hold them to 10. I'm not anywhere near that number. But I think <laughs> I, I like Carolina 38-27 in this game. I really do think that this will be um, I, one of the more complete performances. And you may say, well, how is a complete performance allowing 27 points? Guys, with this offense, if Carolina allows 27 a game, 
you're going to feel pretty confident about where they're at. If they could get to that 25-point-a-game mark, that would be perfect. But 27, you should still be able to get the job done. And I think Carolina does, and I think they get to 5-1 and and pick up a huge win in the ACC Coastal. Yes, man. And the only place I differ from you, I'm, I'm right there. I think Carolina not only covers, but also wins outright is I will go uh, high. I will go over on that score. I wouldn't be surprised given what Carolina is doing if we get up into the 70s or even 80s with this one. Again, it is the first conference game for Miami this season. As you said, probably not going to be an electric environment. And I think all that, along with the confidence you talked about, helps win this one for the Tar Heels. Anthony Pagnotta, brother, always great to have you on. Welcome back. Welcome back. So glad that things were okay last weekend with the weather. Man, we were thinking about you and praying for you guys. And uh, man, it's just good to have you back this week. Yeah, thanks, well, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we uh, we dodged the worst of it. Um, and, you know, of course, I, I think we got to say this, man. We are Definitely uh, praying for those families in Florida. That is yes. unbelievable, the, the yeah. damage that that hurricane caused, um, and even really along the coast of the Carolinas. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we dodged the worst of it here in Charlotte. Um, you know, I, I, I did go stay at the station, everything like that, just to make sure um, that we were on the air the next day and everything like that. But uh, we definitely avoided the worst of the storm. But uh, it, it, I know there's plenty of places that you guys can donate if you could. Please think about donating because there are so many people that lost so much in that storm. It's just terrible seeing the new the, the new photos and videos and everything that comes out uh, every single day. But uh, I'm I'm so glad that uh, you know I'm able to be back on with you guys this week. Uh, although, hey, if they lose this game, uh, we may have to not have <laughs> me on again because I'm telling you, if, if they're going to perform like they did against Virginia Tech. I don't know, man. That's that's that, that was pretty that, that was unbelievable. That was a great performance. One that I very honestly did not see coming last Saturday. And that's all very well said, brother, about um, the, the families and communities trying to work to put things back together, man. We're all in this together. We're all human beings. Let's take care of one another. Friends, that is it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Don't forget, live action is tonight, uh, Friday night as well. We'll be recapping that. Uh, Matt Krause, who will be on the play-by-play for that, is going to join me later this weekend where we unpack that just a little bit. You can follow the show at Locked on Heels. You can follow our man Anthony at HTB Anthony. Make sure you check out his Heel Tough blog. Great stuff there as always. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Please don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, leave some comments on your thoughts on this game, and hit that little bell so you get a notification anytime a new YouTube show drops. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Anthony and I both hope that you have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Hope things are great. Go Heels. And as always, I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.